After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awud, and Surah Al-Fatiha, as a Khalifa al Masih V, may Allah be his help, is stated. The narrations regarding the wounds sustained by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in battle are as follows. According to the narration of Hazrat ibn Abbas, may Allah be pleased with him, at that time, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated, Ishtadda ghadabullahi ala man qatalahun nabiyyu fi sabilillah. Ishtadda ghadabullahi ala qawmin dammu wajha nabiyillah. That is, the wrath of Allah is severe upon a person whom the Messenger of Allah kills in the way of Allah. And the wrath of Allah becomes severe upon a nation which causes the face of Allah's Messenger, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to bleed. There is a narration of Tabarani that when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was injured, he said, The wrath of Allah is extremely severe upon the nation which injures the blessed face of Allah's Messenger, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Then after some time he stated, Allahumma ghfir liqawmi fa'innahum la ya'lamun O Allah, Forgive my nation, for they know not. This narration is also found in the Sahihain, that is Bukhari and Muslim, that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, kept repeating, Allahumma ghfir liqawmi fa'innahum la ya'lamun. O Allah, forgive my nation, for they know not. Thus his mercy, which was completely painted in the divine colours of Allah the Almighty, still managed to prevail even in such a condition, when he was injured and bleeding. Despite this, he prayed, The anger of Allah erupts when people oppress his messenger and beloved. But, O Allah, the oppression that they are committing is due to their lack of knowledge and foolishness. Pray forgive them 
Do not send down your wrath upon them due to their mistakes. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala ali Muhammadin. Oh Allah, bless Muhammad and the people of Muhammad. What a demonstration of kindness and mercy. Sahih al-Bukhari narrates this incident. Qala Abdullah, ka'anni anduru ila nabiyyi yahki nabiyyan min al-anbiya'i darabahu qawmuhu fa'admawuhu has Abdullah bin Mas'ud, may Allah be pleased with him, states, It is as if I see the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, even now, that he is narrating the condition of a Prophet whose nation profusely beat him until he was covered in blood. He was wiping blood off his face and kept saying, O oh Allah, Forgive my nation, for they know not. Regarding this, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed, may Allah be pleased with him, details in his book The Life and Character of the Seal of Prophets that, upon reaching the mountain pass, with the assistance of Hazrat Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah, cleaned his wounds. With great difficulty, Abu Ubaidah bin al-Jarrah, may Allah be pleased with him, used his teeth to force out the two rings which had sunk deep into the cheek of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In this effort, two of his own teeth were broken as well. At the time, the wounds of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, were bleeding very heavily. And upon seeing this blood, with intense grief, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, كَيْفَ يُفْلِحُوا قَوْمٌ خَضَبُوا وَجْهَ نَبِيِّهِمْ بِالدَّمِ how will such a people prosper who have tainted the countenance of the Prophet with his blood only in the crime that he calls them towards God? After this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, became silent for some time and then he said, Allahumma ghfir liqawmi fa innahum la ya'lamun. O my Allah, forgive my people for they have committed this mistake out of ignorance and they know not. It is narrated that on this occasion the following verse was revealed. The matter of punishment and forgiveness is in the hand of Allah. You have no concern of this. Allah shall forgive whomsoever He pleases and punish whomsoever He pleases. He further writes, Fatima to Zahra, may Allah be pleased with her who had come out of Medina upon hearing the terrible reports regarding the Holy Prophet, also reached Uhud shortly thereafter. As soon as she arrived, she began to wash the wounds of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, but the bleeding just would not stop. Finally, Hazrat Fatima burnt a mat of straw and applied its burnt ashes to the wound of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. It was only then that his blood was staunched. At this time, other women also assisted the wounded companions, thereby gaining reward. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II, may Allah be pleased with him, narrates this incident in the following manner. During the Battle of Uhud, a rock hit the helmet of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the helmet's rings got stuck in his face. He became unconscious and fell upon the bodies of those companions who were martyred while fighting around him. 
After this, the bodies of some other companions fell on top of his blessed body, and people thought that he had been killed. But when he was taken out of the ditch, and he regained consciousness, he did not even think about the fact that the enemy injured him, broke his teeth, martyred his family and loved ones and friends. Rather, when he regained consciousness, he prayed, O my Lord, these people could not recognize my status, so have mercy on them and forgive their sins. There is also mention of angels appearing and fighting during the Battle of Uhud. Hazrat Sa'ad bin Waqqas, may Allah be pleased with him, narrates, On the day of Uhud, I saw two men to the right and the left of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. They were wearing white clothes and were fighting fiercely. I had never seen these two before this nor after. That meaning... Jibreel salam and Mikhail salam, and Bayhaqi reports this then Mujahid also narrates this angels only fought during the battle of Badr Bayhaqi means to say that when the Muslims disobeyed the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and did not remain steadfast upon the command of the Holy Prophet at that time the angels did not fight this is referring to those who guarded the mountain pass, that when they displayed the example of obedience and remained patient, the angels were protecting them. When they showed impatience, then the angels lifted their veil of protection, and Allah knows best. In relation to this, Muhammad bin Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, narrated from his elders concerning the following words of Allah Almighty, Bala in tasbiru wa tattaku. Yeah, if you be steadfast and righteous, that they did not remain patient and run, which is why help did not come to them. He has also narrated that his elders said that when Mus'ab bin Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, was martyred, an angel in the form of Mus'ab bin Umar took hold of the banner and that the angels appeared on that day, but they did not fight. Whilst narrating those scenes, Harith bin Asimma, may Allah be pleased with him, has stated, on the day of the Battle of Uhud, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was in the valley. He asked me about Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Auf, may Allah be pleased with him. So I answered, I saw him by the mountainside. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then said, The angels are certainly fighting alongside him. Harith continues, When I returned to Abdul Rahman, I saw seven disbelievers lying dead around him. So I said, your right hand has been successful. Did you kill them all yourself? He replied, I killed these ones, but those ones were killed by people who I did not even witness. I then said, How true was the word of God and his messenger in that the angels were aiding him. Ibn Sa'ad has narrated on the authority of Abdullah bin Fazl bin Abbas, may it be pleased with him who stated, After the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, conferred the banner to Mus'ab bin Umair, and he was martyred. An angel in the likeness of Mus'ab took hold of the banner. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, O Mus'ab, go forth. 
The angel then turned to him and said, I am not Mus'ab. The Holy Prophet then realized that this was an angel and that he was being aided by the angels. Muhammad bin Thabit narrates, The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated on the day of the Battle of Uhud, O Mus'ab, go forth. Abdurrahman bin Auf then said, O Messenger of Allah, was Mus'ab not martyred? The Holy Prophet answered, Indeed, but an angel has been appointed in his place and been given his name. Allama ibn Asakir narrates on the authority of Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas, may Allah be pleased with him, who stated, On the day of the Battle of Uhud, I witnessed that as I would shoot an arrow, a beautiful person wearing white clothes would return that arrow to me. I did not recognize him, and I eventually believed that he was an angel. Umair bin Ishaq, may Allah be pleased with him, narrates, On the day of the Battle of Uhud, the people had been dispersed from the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And as Sa'ad was beside him shooting arrows, a young person would retrieve the arrows and give them to him. Whenever he shot an arrow, the young person would retrieve it. He would say, O Abu Ishaq, let your arrows fly. When the battle had ended, he was unable to find that young person anywhere, nor did anyone know who he was. Allama Bayhaqi has narrated on the authority of Urwa, may Allah be pleased with him, who stated, In accordance with Allah Almighty's promise of Walaqad Sadaqakumullahu wa'ada, and Allah has surely made good to you his promise, that as a result of their patience and righteousness, he would help them with 5,000 angels. He did indeed fulfill this promise. However, when they failed to follow the instructions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, as they vacated their ranks, and the archers, out of their desire for the world, did not heed the instructions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to not leave their position. The help of the angels was taken away, and Allah Almighty revealed the verse, وَلَقَدْ صَدَقَكُمُ اللَّهُ وَعَدَهُ إِذْ تَحُسُّونَهُمْ بِإِذْنِهِ And Allah had surely made good to you his promise when you were slaying and destroying them by his leave. It was then that Allah the Almighty fulfilled his promise and showed them victory, but when they failed to follow the instructions, he placed them in a trial. In one of his narrations, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the fourth, may Allah have mercy on him, narrated this incident and that the companion said that on the day of the Battle of Badr, they witnessed the angels wearing black turbans and in uniform. When the companions witnessed the angels in different circumstances, they were seen wearing black turbans. When the narrations were compiled, they were left astonished. However, just as the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, explained, Musawwimin, that is, attacking vehemently, it was thus decreed, which was exactly what took place. Similarly, the angels that were witnessed during the Battle of Uhud were wearing red turbans as a sign. The red colour conveys a message of grief. However, the companions had never experienced as much grief in their entire lives as they did during the Battle of Uhud as a result of the wounds sustained by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. They received one news of grief after another and they became sunken in anguish. Hence, for the sign 
of the angels during this battle, the color selected, i.e. red, depicted an aspect of grief, blood and anguish. There are many incidents highlighting the determination and selflessness of the companions during this battle and how they sacrificed themselves in order to protect the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Regarding Hazrat Anas bin Nadir Ansari, may Allah be pleased with him, there is a narration in which Hazrat Anas has stated, My uncle Hazrat Anas bin Nadir Ansari was unable to participate in the Battle of Badr. So he said, O Messenger of Allah, I was absent in the first battle in which you fought the idolaters. If Allah allows me to fight the idolaters in battle, he will surely see what I shall do. Thus, on the day of the Battle of Uhud, when the Muslims had dispersed from the battlefield, he said, O Allah, I apologize for what they have done. He was referring to his companions, i.e. the Muslims who had scattered. He then said, I hold myself before you free from what they have done, i.e. referring to the idolaters. He then went forth and met Hazrat Sa'ad bin Mu'adh, may Allah be pleased with him. He said to him, O Sa'ad bin Mu'adh, Paradise. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, By the Lord of Nadr, I smell his sweet fragrance on Muhud. As the Sa'ad, may Allah be pleased with him, said, O Messenger of Allah, then I have failed to do whatever he carried out. When he was mentioning this incident to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said, The way in which he fought so heroically and fearlessly, I was unable to do the same. As Anas, may Allah be pleased with him, narrated, We found more than 80 wounds on him from blows from swords, spears and arrows. When he found him, he had already been martyred and the idolaters had already mutilated his body. No one was able to recognize him aside from his sister. As Anas, may Allah be pleased with him, recognized him from the marking of his fingerprint. As Anas narrated, we felt that the following verse had been revealed in relation to him and others like him. من المؤمنين لرجال صدقوا ما أحد الله عليه. Among the believers are men who have been true to the covenant they made with Allah. Ibn Ishaq states that Anas bin Nadr, the uncle of Anas bin Malik, passed by a group of Mahajirin, including Talha bin Ubaidillah, Umar bin Al-Khattab, etc. and some Ansar who were sitting down. Anas bin Nadr asked them why they were sitting down. They replied that the Holy Prophet had been killed. Others replied, Then what use is there of living? You should depart this world in the manner that he did. Anas then turned his attention towards the disbelievers and bravely fought until he was martyred. Anas bin Malik was named after him. Anas bin Malik states, On that day, we found Anas bin Nadir and his body had 70 wounds. Nobody could recognize his body except his sister. She recognized him through his fingertips. 
Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib, may Allah be pleased with him, writes, At the time, a very dangerous war ensued, and this was a time of great trial and tribulation for the Muslims. As mentioned above, upon hearing the news of the martyrdom of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, many companions lost their spirit and had thrown in their arms and moved to one side of the battlefield. Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, was also amongst these people. These people were sitting to one side of the battlefield when a companion named Anas bin Nadir Ansari happened to arrive. Upon seeing them, he began to say, What are you doing here? They responded, The Holy Prophet has been martyred. What now is there to gain from battle? This is the very time for battle, replied Anas, so that we may also attain the death which has been acquired by the Holy Prophet. And then what pleasure is there in life after the demise of the Holy Prophet anyway? Then Saad bin Muad came before him and Anas said, Saad, I can smell the fragrance of paradise from this mountain. After this, Anas penetrated the enemy ranks and was martyred in battle. After the war, his body was found to have sustained more than 80 wounds and no one could recognize his dead body. Finally, his sister identified him by a mark on his finger. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II, may Allah be pleased with him, has also mentioned this incident as follows. The uncle of Hazrat Anas bin Malik was also present in the Battle of Uhud and he showed great courage. He fought valiantly and repelled countless attacks on the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him by the disbelievers. Eventually they gained the upper hand and after the victory, the Muslims gathered the prisoners of war and busy themselves with gathering spoils and provisions. The ignorant enemy labels this as looting. As a Muslim of Allah be pleased with him says that when the war ended and they were gathering the spoils of war, the enemies of Islam label this as looting and plundering, whereas this is not looting, rather this is one way in which the enemy becomes weaker. Nonetheless, he thought that this work was done. He was hungry at the time and he had some dates with him. He moved a distance away from the battlefield and was striding around in joy of victory and began eating dates. Whilst eating dates and striding around, he went to one side. He saw a rock upon which Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, was seated crying. Anas saw Hazrat Umar and was surprised as today was the day of jubilation, happiness and cheering one another. Why was he crying on such an occasion? And so he addressed Hazrat Umar saying, What is all this about? Today is a day to rejoice that Allah the Almighty has granted the Muslims victory. And you sit here crying? Hazrat Umar replied, Perhaps the news did not reach you of what happened after gaining victory. He asked what happened, to which Hazrat Umar said, The enemy came at us from the rear and attacked us again. This resulted in the Muslim army scattering and the Holy Prophet was martyred. The Ansari companion said, Umar, even then there is no reason to cry. He had one date left in his hand. He instantly threw that away and said, addressing the date, Between you and my God. He addressed Hazrat Umar or the date. Nonetheless, between you and my God is nothing more than this date. He then turned to Hazrat Umar and said, Umar, if the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has been martyred, then what is there left in this world for us? We should also go where he has gone. Having said this, he took his sword and on his own, he launched an attack on the enemy army, which numbered in the thousands. But what could one man do against thousands? He was attacked from all directions and fell as a martyr. After the battle, when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, sent a search party for him, they discovered 70 pieces of his body. 
According to some narrations, his body was beyond recognition. Eventually, a sister or another relative recognized him from a mark on his finger. Then, mentioning this same incident on another occasion, Hazrat Muslim Abu Allah be pleased with him says, During the Battle of Uhud, when the rumor spread that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had been martyred, he, that is, Hazrat Anas's uncle, saw Hazrat Umar sitting on a small mound, crying. He asked him, Umar, what is the matter? Why are you crying when the Muslims have been given victory? As Umar replied, You haven't heard? The Holy Prophet has been martyred. When Hazrat Anas's uncle heard this, he was eating dates at the time. He only had one date in his hand, which he threw away, saying, Is there any other barrier between me and my Lord? Then owing to his love for him, he said to Hazrat Umar in disdain, Umar, if the Holy Prophet has gone on to the next world, then why are you sitting here crying? We will follow after him to wherever he may be. He went alone and attacked an army of 3,000. The disbelievers perhaps thought of him as mad. He fought valiantly until he was martyred. After the battle finished, when they went in search of him, they found him in 70 pieces. Each limb was severed. As a Muslim Oud, may Allah be pleased with him, has mentioned details about this martyrdom in several places. At times it is detailed and at times it is briefly mentioned. In one instance, Hazrat Muslim Oud says, In a hadith it is mentioned that Hazrat Malik bin Anas was an Ansari companion who was mistakenly left behind in the Battle of Badr and was not able to take part. When he heard about the feats in the Battle of Badr from those who took part, he was overcome with passion. He stood up and began pacing up and down. He said, Alas, when I get an opportunity, I will show everyone how a believer ought to make a sacrifice. Hence, he participated in the Battle of Uhud. When suddenly the enemy attacked from the rear, the Muslims lost their footing. He was pushed back and moved to quite a distance from the battlefield. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was left alone and owing to the disbelievers hurling rocks, he was injured. These injuries caused him to fall upon others who had been killed. When the people saw that the Holy Prophet had vanished for a brief period of time, they thought he had been martyred. Hence, a few people immediately ran to Medina, which was a short distance away, made it known that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was martyred. For the people left behind in the battle a short distance away, this news struck them like lightning. Among these people was Hazrat Umar Mir, be pleased with him. He was sitting on a rock crying. Meanwhile, Malik ben Anas, may be pleased with him, walked past him and since he had not eaten anything prior to the battle, he was eating a few dates. Malik bin Anas had left the battlefield at a time when the Muslims had become victorious and had defeated the disbelievers. As the Umar, however, had left the battlefield after the enemy had launched another attack from behind, and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was injured as a result of it and fell to the ground, and some of the companions thought that he had been martyred. Hence, this was the reason for Hazrat Umar crying, whereas Malik, may Allah be pleased with him, was happy for the earlier victory they had attained. Thereupon, Malik found it rather strange that Hazrat Umar was crying and looked upon him with astonishment and said, Umar, is this a time to rejoice or cry? Allah the Almighty has granted victory to the Muslims and we should rejoice over this. Hazrat Umar raised his head and whilst looking towards him said, Malik, perhaps you are not aware but the momentum of the battle completely shifted. The enemy had come from behind the mountain and attacked once more. Unable to endure this attack, the Muslim army dispersed and the Holy Prophet was martyred. At the time, Malik was holding on to his last date and he threw it to the ground and said, 
apart from this date, there is nothing else that stands between me and my beloved. He then looked at Hazumar and said, If whatever you say is true, even then, it is not an occasion to cry. We should also prepare to go where our beloved has departed to. After saying this, he took his sword out of its sheath and went into the enemy lines. After all, how could a single man fare against an army of hundreds? In just a short while, his body was cut into pieces and scattered across the ground. When God Almighty granted victory to the Muslims, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, instructed to find Malik bin Anas, and people informed him that they could not locate him anywhere. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, once again gave instructions to find him. By this time, his sister came running to the battlefield upon hearing the shocking news that the Holy Prophet had been martyred. She saw the severed limbs of a body and realized that it was her brother, Malik, as she recognized one of his fingers and then informed the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. This was the love which the companions had for the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. I shall continue mention of this in the future, God willing. Pray especially these days for the Ahmadis in Yemen. They are going through extremely difficult times. Similarly, pray for the Muslim Ummah. May Allah the Almighty unite them as one, instill within them reason and understanding. Pray for the general state of the world, as it is rapidly heading towards war. May Allah the Almighty have mercy. After the prayers, I shall need two funeral prayers in absentia. The first mention is of respecting Dr. Hafiz Abdul Hamid Gamanga Sahib, who was serving as the Naib Amir of Sierra Leone. He passed away by the decree of Allah following a short illness on 13th of January at the age of 45. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Verily to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. By the grace of Allah, He was a Musi. Musa Mewa Sahib, the Amir of Sierra Leone, writes Dr. Gamanga Sahib was the highest contributor in Chandavasiyat in the whole of Sierra Leone. When I appealed to the members to purchase the land for the new site for our Jalsaga, Dr. Sahib made the highest contribution towards this and made a donation of 10,000 US dollars before his demise. Dr. Sahib dedicated five years of his life to serve under the Nusrat Jahan scheme. He was initially posted to Nigeria, but while the paperwork was being processed, a doctor from Pakistan was posted there. And so he had the opportunity to serve in a hospital in Freetown. He served very diligently and whatever allowance he received from the hospital during this time, he gifted it back to the hospital, which helped towards the repair and refurbishment of the hospital. The total amount was 200,000 leones. He had great love for Khilafat. His greatest regret in his life was that he was not able to meet the Khalifa of the time. He made a lot of effort in order to meet me, but he was unable to get a visa. He tried twice for this. 
During his medical service, he would offer free treatment to those patients who were in financial difficulties. He helped many Ahmadi students whose parents were not able to pay for their college fees. He was very trustworthy, hardworking, and would always help others. He was married to Kadi Yatta Gomanga, the younger sister of Tommy Kalon Sahib, who resides here in the UK. He had two children, a son and a daughter, one of whom is approximately three or four years old and the other is two years old. Sayyidul Hassan Shah, one of the missionaries there, says, He possessed many qualities which I had personally witnessed. When Musa Mewa Sahib was appointed as the new Amir, Dr. Gamanga Sahib was a key member of his team. He attained a specialist degree in gynaecology from Kenya and then came to Sierra Leone. One of his qualities was that he would work tirelessly. He worked day and night and completely forget the fact that his wife and children would be waiting for him. He was a Hafiz of Quran, that is, he'd memorize the Holy Quran and would recite the Holy Quran in a very beautiful voice. Last Ramadan, he led the Taraweeh prayers at the headquarters and the members greatly enjoyed it. Humility was another great quality of Dr. Sahib. He would always meet everyone with a smile and he would always keep his illness and pain hidden from others. Safir Ahmed Sahib, who is serving as a missionary, says, Dr. Sahib possessed many qualities and was very well known in the area. Allah the Almighty had blessed him with the quality of healing. People would visit him for treatment and in addition to providing them with physical treatment, he would also provide them with a spiritual cure by informing them of the teachings of the Ahmadi community. The deceased was regular in his daily prayers and in observing the fast and also in his tahajjud prayer. He would always pay his financial contributions on time. He would always leave aside his secular work and always respond to any work to the community he was called upon. He would show great respect to the office bearers of the community and the missionaries. He would pay particular attention towards the Friday prayer and would offer the Friday prayer in the mosque in Port Loco. Abdul Hayy Karoma Sahib, who is serving as a second Naib Amir, says, Dr. Gamanga Sahib was also a committee member for the translation of the Holy Quran into Mendi, which is the local language of Sierra Leone. He was regular in his five daily prayers and in the observance of the Tahajjud prayer. He was a life devotee in its true essence. After finishing his duty at the hospital where he worked, he would go to the Ahmadiyya hospital and work there till the Maghrib and then go to the mission house. He would work till late in the night and then go home. He would often see true dreams and they would be fulfilled. In accordance to the instructions of the Khalifa of the time, he had made a 10-year educational plan so that in the future, the community would have many skilled members. As a Naib Amir, I had a very close bond with him. He had many good qualities, including his love for the community, fulfilling the rights of Allah and the, and the rights of the creation, generosity, humility, and offering financial sacrifices. Al-Wami Sisei Sahib says, He took admission in Sierra Leone's Jamat al-Mubashirin in 1989 and completed his education in 1991. He achieved excellent marks and always passed with very high marks. He started to memorize the Holy Quran where he was first posted. 
he independently memorized the entirety of the Holy Quran. Thereafter, the civil war started and all Pakistani missionaries posted there were forced to leave. Dr. Sahib then came to Freetown and continued working as a missionary. During this time, he also served as the acting president of the local chapter there. Some items were sent from headquarters from here to Sierra Leone. The rebels found out about this and attacked the mission house. They hid in the ceiling and managed to take hold of me, the one recounting this. They pointed a gun to my head and told me to give them the keys to the storage. When we realized the circumstances were very dire, Dr. Gumanga, who had the keys, came down immediately and handed them over. The rebels took a few things and left. Khalid Mahmoud Sahib writes, Dr. Sahib held great love and sincerity for Khilafat. He was a truly sincere person. He was very respectful to everyone. He was empathetic toward the community. He was respectful towards everyone, to those who were older than him or younger. He would immediately accept any proposal given for the advancement of the community. He would say that there should always be such sincere people in the community who spend their end every moment toward the progress of the community. There are very few people who can honestly distinguish right from wrong. Dr. Sahib was a fearless and brave individual. He had a beautiful way with words. He would speak to everyone with a soft tone. He would leave everything to offer prayer. Even if someone spoke to him harshly, he would respond to them gently and also advise that an Ahmadi should not speak so harshly. Lajna Ima'illah UK is building a maternity hospital in Sierra Leone. This is a very large project by Allah's grace. The former president of Lajna, Dr. Fariha, went to see the progress. She says, I observed him to be extremely beneficial to humanity. She met with Dr. Saib when she went to see the maternity hospital. He gave very valuable suggestions regarding the Lajna hospital. He then gave me a tour of the government hospital. His passion for serving mankind truly impacted me. Despite the unfavorable conditions, he greeted the innumerable patients who came to him with a smile on his face and showed them great empathy. He had an extraordinary attachment to serving the poor residents of his country. He also thought that he would be stationed at the maternity hospital once it was completed, but Allah the Almighty had his own plan. His wife writes, My husband was a pious individual. He was a sincere and devout Ahmadi of our community. He always gave precedence to the community over his personal matters. Before going to Senegal for his treatment, he said to me, We have full faith and trust in Allah the Almighty. That is everything for us. So whatever happens, do not worry. He would often treat his patients and Ahmadis free of charge and cared a great deal for them. She says, I learned of many of my husband's qualities from other people after his demise. I testify that he would regularly offer the five daily prayers and also the tahajjud prayers. Without fail, he would calculate how much is due for his wasiyat and make his contributions. Every year in Ramadan, he would recite the Holy Quran in its entirety at least once 
and would encourage me to do the same. He was a great husband and father, and he kept us very happy. May Allah the Almighty show mercy and grant forgiveness to the deceased and elevate his station. May he be the help and protector of his wife and children. The next mention is of Tahira Nazir Begum, Sahiba, who was also known as Tahira Rashiduddin. She was the wife of Chaudhri Rashiduddin, a missionary of the community. She passed away recently, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun, verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. By the grace of Allah, she was a Musya. Her family entered the fold of Ahmadiyyat by way of her paternal grandfather, Hazrat Chaudhri Ghulam Hussain Sahib. Similarly, her maternal grandfather, Hazrat Chaudhri Ghulam Haider Dhariwal, was also a companion of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him. As I mentioned, she was the wife of Chaudhri Rashiduddin. In December of 1958, her nikah was announced by Mulana Jalaluddin Shams in the presence of Hazrat Muslimud, may Allah be pleased with him who led the silent prayer. She mentions one of her dreams. She says, In 1980, I had the opportunity of attending the Majlisi Mushawarat, that is the consultative body of the community, as a delegate. The third caliph, may Allah have mercy on him, was also present at the gathering. In the gathering, a discussion took place on who was amongst the companions of the Prophet and who was not, based on their age. She says, when I came home, I regretfully said, Oh Allah, if only I was present during that time, then I too would be amongst the companions. At that time, I saw a dream in which I met the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him. He was lying on his right side in my home. I went and stood by his pillow. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, looked to me with great love and said, What brings you here? I said, Your Holiness, I wish to massage you. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, gave me his right hand and I massaged it for quite some time. Thereafter, the Promised Messiah proceeded to the courtyard for the Maghrib prayer. I also went to the courtyard and saw droves of people, some even perched on the windows and verandas, to see the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him. I asked the masses, How did you know the Promised Messiah was in my home? They replied, how could the Promised Messiah come to your home and we remain uninformed? There was an elderly woman from Chak number 37 who was making rotis, that is flatbread. I addressed her and said, leave the rotis. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, has come to my home. Come and see him. After this, she remarked in Shura, it was discussed that those who saw the Promised Messiah were counted amongst their companions. The Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, stayed in my home for two days and one night, so that makes me a companion. It is the boundless grace of Allah the Almighty. How can I be grateful to him? Her son, Dr. Ali Muddin, lives here in the UK. He has also served as the national president of the community in Ireland and currently lives here in the UK. He says, Allah the Almighty granted our mother countless virtues. Salient among them were her connection with Allah her personal love with Allah the Almighty and Allah the Almighty's acceptance of her prayers. In other words, she would receive revelations. She had personal love and affection for the Ahmadiyya Caliphate, which remained prominent throughout her life, and she strove to continue the same in her children. He says, 
During our childhood, whenever any elders were mentioned by a mother, they would not be prominent from a worldly standpoint. Rather, they would be caliphs. Or we would always hear about prominent women. Our mother would always request these elders for prayers. Just because she was given to prayer didn't mean that she would not request prayers from others as well. In fact, she would go to others and ask them for prayers. He says, aside from this, the most prominent aspect of our mother was the honour she had for the community. Once in our home, one of our distant relatives used some unbecoming words regarding the community. Generally, people become silent when they hear such things. But my mother sternly responded to him immediately. First, she stopped him, then she corrected him. It was well known amongst our family that she could compromise when it came to family disputes, but the honour she held for the community would never allow her to let any blight come to it. Her husband, Chaudhry Rashiduddin, a life devotee and missionary, went to Africa twice for the task of propagation. She remained in Pakistan and focused all of her efforts towards the upbringing of her children. He says, we remember that when it came to us, brothers, she always knew our personal friends, who they were and what kind of people they were. She would always tell us not to simply befriend anyone, but those boys in our area who were virtuous and good in their studies. He says, something which I witnessed myself was that she often befriended such women who had a connection of love with Allah the Almighty. And she herself would say she did not enjoy sitting with worldly people, but preferred such people who were simple and took interest in faith. Her daughter Zubda Sahiba says, in fact both Abida and Zubda say, ever since we can remember, we found our mother to be given to worship, being prayerful, sociable and kind. She worshipped very fervently and she passionately offered voluntary prayers at the Hajjid, pre-dawn voluntary prayers. Whenever there was an issue at hand, she would close herself in her room and remain in prostration for extended periods of time. She also experienced the times of financial difficulties faced by a life devotee. But she endured those times with patience, forbearance and dedication whilst placing a trust in Allah the Almighty and she would always seek from Allah the Almighty. She also had the honour of performing Hajj Allah the Almighty fulfilled this desire of hers. She did a itikaf period of devotion in the mosque in Ramadan 11 times. Her daughters say those women who came for condolences especially mentioned her kindness, good morals and sociability. She particularly studied religious books. She especially enjoyed reading books on the life of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. She focused special attention on worship on Fridays and would go to the mosque several hours early to offer voluntary prayers. One of her sons, Salimuddin Sahib, is a missionary and serves as the Nazir Umuri Amma in Rabwa these days. He says, My mother was the wife of a life devotee, and her nikah, as I mentioned before, was announced by Jalaluddin Shams, and Hazrat Muslim, may Allah be pleased with him, led the silent prayer. Her, that is Tahira Sahib's father, used to tell the incident related to this, that her husband's nikah was actually going to take place with someone else and all the arrangements had been made. Maulana Abu Lata Jalandri was to announce the nikah at Masjid Nusrat in Rabba. All the guests had arrived. However, 
Hazrat Mawlana Abu Lata Jalandri Sahib announced everyone's nikah except his, saying that since he was a life devotee, his nikah would be announced by Hazrat Muslim Maud, may Allah be pleased with him, or it take place in his presence. It so happened that after some time, the girl's side, where the marriage was originally supposed to take place, informed of their refusal, and then his nikah took place with Tahira Saiba, and this marriage proved to be very blessed. She was regular in offering financial contributions. The Secretary of Finance in Canada wrote to her, I saw in a dream that I opened the register and was accounting for the financial contributions when Tahira Rashiduddin Sahiba came and sat beside me. I told her that if she offered $5,000 for Tahrik Jadid, then her name would be included in the 5000 register, and she expressed her readiness to do so in the dream. She was visiting Pakistan at the time, and when she returned, she told her the dream, and she said that she expected that she would just do that. When she related the dream, Tahira Saba immediately offered $5,000. Allah the Almighty had granted